Good morning, impromptu live, because there's no coffee time and I'm going out. I thought I would take this opportunity to uh, to continue with part four of my story, because I wanted to get us up to what I shared last weekend, which was my um, 16th anniversary of, of being sober. So I wanted to take you up to that point. And um, when I left off on part three, uh, I was just telling you about the fact that I was working in a bar, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, that's where I met my first husband, who, um, who had decided, he told his friend, that he was gonna marry me one day. And he did, we got married in Barbados, and, uh, and it was great, but, and there's a big but, uh, I was 21 when we got married, we met when I was 18. I was 19 the following January, and we met in the sort of September, October time. So, you know, I wasn't far off 19, but he was a lot older than me, he was 35 which is a big age difference. Did he behave like a 35 year old? No. Did I think he was uh, sophisticated and absolutely gobsmacked that somebody like him uh, could find me attractive? Yeah, he was very tall, six foot two, uh, naturally kind of tan skin, dark hair. He did kind of have a look of, of um, I think people often would ask, is he from an Italian background? No is the answer, it's just, just the way that he was. Uh, but he, um, he just literally, I fell hook, line and sinker, not even realizing that he was married at the time. Yep, that's how naive I was at, at 18. But the fact that somebody found me attractive and wanted to be with me was what my ego was desperate for. And you've gathered all the way through now that my self-confidence about how I looked and how I felt was, was ridiculously low. And I explained to you that I had, had got to that kind of critical low, low weight and then put on a lot of weight and then began to lose it again, went on holiday and came back and continued back into my pattern of, of bulimia. Thankfully, the second time uh, in in that whole craziness of bulimia, I did not go back to the laxatives, having experienced how horrific it was being on them and how equally horrific it was getting off them. Um, of course, I, I now know that the damage that I've done to my gut was just like bonkers. And that's one of the reasons why I had my heart attack when I did, um, because if your gut's not working right, your body is not going to be absorbing stuff and stuff's going to be going into your bloodstream that should not be, um, including calcium, making its way up into the arteries of the heart, which is not where you want it to be. Um, and there's also the reason that I've got my Hashimoto's thyroiditis as well. It's all down to all of that rubbish that I did uh, and continued to do um, because at 18 I was still well into this whole bulimia thing. The only difference is this time I was really good at it. I was a lot better, practice makes perfect as they say um, and I'd got it down to, to a fine art. I knew how to, um, to, to not just get up what was in my stomach but I also knew how to get up what was going on further down and um, it sounds pretty gross, but until bile came up, I was not happy that I'd got everything up. And and it's the the acid that was washed over my teeth. As some of you will know that uh, I have had my teeth done. I've, uh, my teeth started to fall out. Um, I was losing them when I was sort of 44, 45. And um, it got to the point where I'd got three missing at the back. And obviously they couldn't see them, but but all of the enamel basically was 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 not there, been been just eroded away because of, of what I'd done. Anyway, 
as usual, I'm digressing, so I don't want to be this to be as long as the last one. So what I wanted to just kind of say was, yeah, we met, we started going out. Obviously, I did find out that he was married, but his marriage was, was on the rocks and had been for, for quite a while. Uh, and so we ended up moving in together. And to be quite honest, I just wanted to get away. I wanted to live on my own. The whole situation with my mum being ill and me living with her, my dad and my stepmom being together, making it very clear that they did not want me to live with them because it was a bad influence. Um, it just was like I wanted to get out and so this if you like this was my ticket to get out and so I lived in a flat with with him um and basically he enabled me uh he he had everything that I thought I would want in a guy he had money he drove a Porsche 911 uh so and we used to go out into like like Leeds top restaurants we'd, we'd go VIP uh in nightclubs and I just thought this is incredible I was absolutely loving the whole the whole trip what I didn't realize was that he was just he was screwing around elsewhere as well so I wasn't the only person um that, that he was sleeping with and he slept with his wife and got his wife pregnant while we were together anyway even though I knew all of this right, um I did get married to him um because you know what seemed it's just seemed like the way that i wanted to go and of course my dad was just like devastated he was just like please don't do it and i said we're going to go to barbados and he just said, you're going to get married out there and i'm like no we're not with every intention that we were going to and we did um and literally the week we got back he was sleeping with his hairdresser and i found out and it was just like absolute bonkers but while we were together this is where I, uh, I've mentioned quite a few times people who know my story, especially in networking, how did I get into the world of health and, and wellness? Well, it's because of this guy, really. Um, so he, as a birthday present, bought me uh, a one-week gym pass to the gym that he was a member of. Now, I'd seen this gym. Um, when we walked through, there's an arcade in Huddersfield called the Imperial Arcade. When you walk through that, um, there is, uh, when you look up, there's like a, a kind of balconies and some glass, and you can see that there's, there's workout machines, and it's the gym kind of above this shopping area. And I always kind of was intrigued what it was about and who were the kind of people who went in there. And suddenly, I've got this one week to go, and of course, I was going to make the most of it. So I decided to, to check it out. I didn't what I was doing in the gym at all to be quite honest at that point um, I'd done my craziness of running and cycling but other than aerobic work I didn't know anything about weights or anything like that I used to aspire to be a ballerina I, I did do ballet classes until I was 11 until I decided I was going to stop doing that because I felt too fat and all my skinny friends in their pink tutus didn't have the sticky out belly and the and the chafing thighs that I did um, at sort of 8, 9 and 10 years old and so I gave up ballet when I was 11 and when I started secondary school nobody was doing it anyway and it just didn't fit so that was it from a from a kind of sporting and dance background anyway I went and did these classes and it was a really lovely instructor and um, the classes had different names but it seemed to be the same instructor and she seemed to be doing similar stuff and so arrogant head here Mrs Grandiose um, was just like in my own head going well I can do that it's dead easy I can do this job Right, and I'm sure those of you who have been to my classes or any other instructor's classes probably think the same thing. You just stick some music on, tell people what to do, do it, and that's it. Anyway, after the second session, she came up to me afterwards and she said, hi, I noticed you were here yesterday. Are you a dancer? And I was like, oh, I was quite chuffed. And I was like, no, uh, I'm not. I said, but actually, I said, I'm really intrigued about how do you get to do what you do? And she said, well, I did a course at the Polytechnic because that's 
where you went at the time. She said it was over weekends and it took me a year to get my exercise to music qualification. And so off I toddled straight away to the library. Don't forget, we didn't have computers then to try and find out about how I could get a qualification. Now, in my head, I'm like a year. That's ridiculous. If I want something, I want it now. Right. And that's kind of been the story of my life. Rush in, decide to do something. And I want it yesterday. And uh, and so I, I was doing my research and I came across this course uh, that was in London. It only run once. And it's basically the equivalent of what is now a personal training course. But it included the exercise to music qualification as an extra if you wanted to do it. And so in my head, I was like, I'm doing this. So I wrote off and I got offered an interview in London to go on this course. Now, it, it, I can't remember, it was called the PEE, it was called the PEA course. Um, and it was the, the Physical Education Association course in exercise and health studies. That was the long title of it. And so that was my first qualification. Uh, and basically, as I say, it was the equivalent now of, um, of a personal training. So we, we covered posture checks, we covered fitness testing, we covered uh, nutrition. And that, when I started to understand nutrition, was when I realized there was big chunks in my knowledge. I understood about calories. I didn't understand about how the body broke stuff down and how it was utilized and how the muscles worked and all that kind of stuff and blood sugar balance and all of that. It was all new and fascinating. Um, now, whilst I was away studying, that was my opportunity to go back to not eating during the daytime and drinking. There was a bar on campus when I got to London. Uh, so I did get uh, accepted on this course and it was literally, it was six weeks. I had to find digs uh, and I would come back home to see my husband who I'd already decided our marriage was a sham and I was going to leave him, but I was going to get this bloody qualification first and then decide where it took me. So whilst I was away, um, he, who knows what he was doing, but I would go back at weekends and um, we kind of were trying to make it work. It wasn't going to work. Um, but I was kind of cool with it. I'd had my fun and it was all right. I was moving on. I was doing something else. I was occupied. And so I got my qualification. Unfortunately, my brother had a friend whose mum wanted to open a gym, but she didn't want it to be any old gym. This before big gym chains, remember? And so she'd been to places like Henlow Grange and Champneys, and she wanted to open somewhere like that in Huddersfield. Now they had the building, they had a leather um, goods and a leather sofa sort of shop on the ground floor and the, and the floor above that was empty. And she wanted to turn that into a gym slash treatment center, beauty salon, whatever, and she did. And so my brother said to his friend, hey, I hear your mum's looking for staff. My sister's just qualified as this. So I walked straight into a job in a brand new ladies only gym slash health club, the only one of its kind in Huddersfield. And uh, I was absolutely chuffed. Within weeks, I was running the whole of the gym side of things. Within a year, I was running the whole exercise side of things. So I was doing the timetables, I was running the studio and, and everything else. And um, I absolutely loved it because here was my excuse now to exercise legitimately like an idiot, burn off calories. And so I got myself into this crazy, crazy way of living that literally included me smoking a lot, drinking black coffee, exercising all day and into the evening if it, if it was a night shift. And then um, going out with my husband uh, for dinner and drinking copious amounts of alcohol. Uh, and not eating a lot, basically. 
and throwing up if I felt like it. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. And that's kind of how it was. Um, but through that period of time, my weight began to creep back up and began to stabilize as I understood more about the fact that if I wanted to exercise and I wanted to be fit, I needed to actually get the right fuel into my body. Now, what I didn't have a clue about then was food insensitivities and how my body was reacting to certain things, what was setting me off and triggering me uh, wanting to binge and so on and so forth. And don't forget, a lot of my calories were coming from alcohol by this point. Um, and I was pretty much a beer and wine drinker. I wasn't a spirits drinker, but my husband and, and the company that we kept there was another couple that we used to go out with a lot we're very much into liqueurs and stuff after dinner and like to the extent where we would like leave the bottle of liqueur on the table so that's kind of was my life for for quite a while until um until me and this guy split up I went back to live with my mum and the restaurant that we used to go to quite a lot which was a local one in the town um we knew the owner and so I used to go there with my mum and when we'd split up you know he came over and I'm really sorry to hear about you and and this guy and blah 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 and before I know it I was with this guy so I literally went from one person to the next and uh, this guy became my second husband so he owned the restaurant and well the truth of it is he didn't own the restaurant but he made out that he did and that's a whole other story but it's the reason why I was made bankrupt because um, he didn't do a good deal and uh, he didn't get shares in it and he thought he had and he didn't understand the whole business side of things but we were together for quite a long time and um, he was also an alcoholic. And of course, I was the first one to point out to him how much he was drinking because by, at that point, I wasn't really drinking during the day, to be quite honest. I was drinking in the evenings, but I was drinking to the point of blackout and um, it wasn't cool. It wasn't cool to the extent that I, when I knew my husband, my first husband and I were not gonna work things out. I ended up being, you know, doing what I'd done on my 1830s holidays and just being delighted if anybody showed any interest in me. And so I slept with quite a number of people. Um, not great in a town where your family's known, people know who you are. So there would be stuff feeding back about who I'd been out with, who I'd been seen with, where I'd been seen to my dad. It wasn't brilliant. You can see why our relationship kind of didn't work. Uh, great because uh i was just an embarrassment basically to the family name and the family business and my family really didn't want much to do with me to be quite honest by this point it was like well they had to because that's what families do but they were not impressed and they let me know um in no uncertain terms but what what uh, what did transpire and and this is kind of an important thing that i need to bring in because it you know i because of the fact that I, I did blackout, and I didn't really understand what blackouts was then, to be quite honest. I thought blackouts was passing out, and that's completely different. But blacking out is where you are actually still awake and conversing, but you're just not fully aware, and you don't remember what's happening. That's bloody scary. Um, and I was actually raped by somebody who I knew, um, and I didn't know until the next day, really, twig, fully, what had happened. Um, did I do anything about it? No. Was I subsequently raped again by the person that I was with when I moved to London? Yes, I was. Uh, and also um, it broke three, actually broke multiple ribs. Um, so when I say to people, you know, what when I talk about my life and what I've been through and the stuff that I've experienced, and I'm not, I'm not saying this, I'm not dumbing down anything at all, but I was raped and I have, thankfully, dealt with it and spoken about it and I fully comprehend that it was not my fault but I did open myself up to 
being very, very vulnerable. And when I look back, you know, I'm absolutely fortunate that that it didn't happen uh, more than it actually did considering the way that I used to behave and just disregarded myself and my body and the situations that I put myself in with people who I thought were, were different to who they actually were. Um, and I'm not going to kind of touch on that anymore, but except to say, you know, I was very, very lucky. I also had a car accident with the, with that guy and we flipped over in his Porsche 911 without the top on. It was a target top. You could remove the whole top of the thing. And he let somebody who was completely pissed and high drive his Porsche and literally flew around a bend, lost control. I was in the back seat. We literally went over three times and landed up in a field facing the wrong direction how the hell I came out of that unscathed and so did my husband to be honest it was unreal because the driver and the passenger it was not cool that guy was in hospital both of them were in hospital um for weeks and weeks and weeks but this is the stuff where I say you know what whatever whoever the universe has been looking out for me because there is multiple times where you know stuff should have happened I've overdosed on my mum's medication I've had my stomach pumped um I took an overdose when I was with my second husband because I was just I, I didn't know how we were going to get out of the situation that we were in with these businesses and by this point he was just beyond help and I, I didn't know what else to do um so I wanted to check out and I overdosed seriously, ended up in a deep vein thrombosis in hospital for a month. Now, you'd have thought, wouldn't you really? Sensible, supposedly intelligent person that I thought that I was. I'd had the opportunity to be in an environment in a hospital where I wasn't even allowed out of bed to go to the loo in case this blood clot moved and traveled to my lungs or to my heart. So I was away from alcohol for a whole month. I wasn't smoking either for a whole month. You would think, grab that opportunity with both hands. You've been off those substances. Do not go back to them. When I got out, did I go back to both? Yes. Because I'm going to blame, and this is the story I told myself. It's not true, obviously, but in my head, because of my husband, because he was doing it, so I was going to join him. Um, and it's the most ridiculous excuse, but I understand why we fall into this pattern because we want to be a part of, we want to fit in, we want to belong. If we're with a partner who is doing this stuff, we feel somehow that there is the pressure for us to do the same. Now I'm quite happy to stand in my power and just say, absolutely no way. This is not who I am. This is not what I do. If you want to do it and carry on killing yourself, go ahead. But I didn't have that confidence. Uh, and to be quite honest, I liked it. And this is the other thing, and I know when people talk to me now about wanting to stop drinking, it's like, well, do you actually want to stop drinking or is it that you want to stop feeling out of control around drink? Because that's a different thing. Um, and, and, and a lot of them say, well, I enjoy it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I want, I really want you to understand that I am not, even though I do not drink because I just, I, my body cannot handle it. And if I, I know that if I drink again, I will probably end up back where I was, if not worse. Uh, I'm not prepared to do that. But there are people who drink and, and drink to excess because of certain life circumstances and certain reasons. Doesn't mean that they are alcoholics and that they can't take back control and drink sensibly. And a lot of people do that. And a lot of people have done that very successfully. So um, I just want you to know, I am not somebody who is absolutely anti-alcohol. I'm just anti-alcohol for me, for my body. It doesn't work. Um, but I didn't know that at the time and I certainly wasn't going to accept it. Uh, actually, that's a lie. I'm talking rubbish. I did know it. I just didn't know how to stop it and I didn't want to. 
at that point because I couldn't comprehend how I could possibly live without it. I didn't have the skill set. I'd been drinking since I was a young teenager, been drinking more and more since I was an older teenager and definitely a lot more when I was in my 20s. On my honeymoon, I started the day with champagne because I could. It was there. Um, so, you know, to think about even going a day without alcohol was, was beyond my comprehension, apart from being in an environment like a hospital where it was forced upon me. So how I could possibly stop on my own, I don't know. Hence, I hope you now understand why I am so grateful to the universe for the circumstances that I explained around me ending up in rehab when I was talking to you on the on the, the 16th podcast on my 16th sober anniversary because without that set of circumstances, I honestly don't think I would be here because I do not believe that I had what it took to go to somewhere like AA on my own and stop in the environment that I was with, not having that whole space away, I honestly don't think I could do it. And so for anybody out there who has managed to, to completely quit alcohol, going through AA and staying in their home environment and are managing to cope with all of the triggers and, and life that, that still happens, I absolutely applaud you, salute you. You're amazing, absolutely amazing. So I met my second husband and we ended up getting married and uh, we decided we wanted to try for a kid. He had a son from his first wife, he'd been married before and uh, he used to stay with us. Uh, and I'm not going to go into the details but but the son started to get involved in drugs and he ended up living with us and it was all a bit of a disaster. I was told I couldn't have kids. We wanted to try for a family, it wasn't happening. I was told I couldn't have kids. and. Um, went for various uh, explorations and stuff. And, and those of you who've been through that process will probably know that it's quite invasive and they do all kinds of tests. And basically I was told that my ovaries were blocked and it wasn't gonna happen. Uh, that was in my head another excuse to escalate the amount that I was drinking even more. And so at this point, it was very acceptable for me to now be drinking at least a bottle to two bottles of wine a day, probably three or four or five beers as well. Uh, and that kind of stayed at that level for quite a long time. So we eventually split up and I did get pregnant, so they were wrong. Um, I had to leave this guy. We I had to declare myself bankrupt. Our business together did not, did not work. Uh, thankfully for me, I was still teaching my classes and um, ended up in a situation where 29 I'm back with my mom my mum is still living at home she's still you know not great with her illness though it seems to be managed a little bit more though to be quite honest we've had some horrific times and in and out of hospital the whole time that I was with both of my husbands um there's been some hellish incidents where she's turned up on the doorstep with a carving knife threatened to kill me and all kinds of stuff um which I'm not going to go into detail of but all of this stuff sticks in your head and you remember how you felt and every single time I went to visit her in the hospital I would get harder and harder to the point that I would go up with cancer of beer and sit visiting her in the visiting room with cans of beer until I was asked politely to please not bring beer in because there were people in there who were alcoholic. But can you imagine the craziness in my head of turning up into a hospital to visit my mum with beer because I couldn't handle seeing her and being in that environment sober? Absolutely bonkers. But we ended up splitting up and, um, and then I moved to London because I met the guy who I moved down south with uh, at my sister's wedding um and so we came down to Wimbledon went to the wedding met this guy 
and and we ended up having a commuting relationship within this period obviously i said i was pregnant found out i was pregnant with but living with mum my blood pressure went sky high and i had to tell my dad that you know what it's it, mum was kind of it was not cool uh, i needed some space away he offered me the opportunity to go in the caravan for a week to get a break he had a caravan in the lake district and i went there on my own pregnant and when i came back he said i want you to have a look at this house and i'd, I'd applied for a council house and I'd had a look and honestly i just cried and i know it sounds really arrogant and if anybody's listening who lives in a council house that were the ones that they offered me honestly they weren't fit to put an animal in and um, I, I just couldn't envision myself even handling it I just couldn't um, and to be fair my dad came with me to look at one and I think he saw what was on offer and and blessing he he got a house he, he bought a house that he, he'd already got off some properties anyway so it was he, he was going to buy it it was right opposite where his work is so he was going to buy this property uh, but he kind of wanted to make out he was doing it for me uh, and he allowed me to rent it so here i was i moved in i had i had my daughter and this is a birthday today that i'm doing this so uh 23 years ago I moved into a house on my own for the first time living on my own at 23 but uh within a short space of time as i say uh, i met this guy i think georgina was one and a bit when i met him so i'd been a year on my own and just really muddling through teaching my classes freelance in halifax in huddersfield um just working looking after my daughter that kind of stuff and, and muddling through but still drinking every single day still smoking making ends meet having to budget um, money was tight as fudge as you can imagine when you go bankrupt and it's different now but everything is taken off you or bank accounts or credit cards so the only way that i could get paid for my freelance work was either in cash or if they wanted to pay me a check, I'd have to pay it into a post office. I was allowed a post office account. And I managed like that for a flipping long time, I can tell you. And this is why I'm, I have this thing about owing people money now and working in cash where possible, because I need to know exactly what I've got, what's coming in, what's going out. And I'm a bit of a, a stickler on that. But um, I met this person when I came to London and that's it. And we commuted for two years and he was he had a great job uh, in, uh, in a bank high up uh, in, a, in a huge, I'm not going to say which one, but a big firm. Uh, but when I got down there, I realized that, you know what, commuting in a relationship is one thing. Living with somebody is a completely different story. And and I was stuck. I knew that my dad didn't want me to go back to Huddersfield. He saw it as a fresh start and kind of like, thank God she's gone. <laughs> Get rid of her. Don't need to hear about her antics in the town or hear about where she's been and what she's up to. And, um, and so I was kind of stuck and knew that this was not what I wanted to do. It was not where I wanted to be. He told me I didn't need to work. He gave me a credit card. He gave me an A to Z of London and then went, I'm out at work at seven. I come home at 10 and I'll see you. And at weekends, I go and visit my mom. Whoa. So I got some classes. I got work. Uh, my daughter was at school in, in Hampstead. We lived in Belsize Park and I was as unhappy as I don't know what. And so my escalation in drinking was bedonkers to the extent that after a year he put me in rehab um, and I went to the Nightingale Hospital and I and it was bonkers. It was absolutely ridiculous. I was there because he wanted me to be, not because I wanted to be. I was so arrogant and determined that, you know, if I was going to do it, I was going to do it. But it, I walked out of that building three times. Nobody even knew that I'd gone. I could have bought alcohol, could have done anything. I didn't. Um, but I just wasn't in the right headspace. And so when I came back and he told me that I was as boring as hell, not drinking, I was just like, what the fudge? So I ended up meeting somebody else. And this was the person who I ended up living with. Um, I let this person know that I met somebody else, hence uh, the rape and the broken ribs, and he chucked me out. And we found a house uh, to rent, uh, but this guy was married too. 
very unhappily. Um, we were together for three years, pretty much, uh, until that incident. And, and I kind of knew after the first year when he was going on holiday with his wife <laughs> and wanting me to be okay with it and still living with me. It was just like, what? I knew that this was just not going to work. Um, but it says a lot about where my personal self-worth was, where my self-esteem was. Um, and so the incident of the bank holiday weekend 16 years ago happened. And thank goodness that it did and I am here sober to tell the tale and now you're pretty much up to date folks so um what I will do is share what kind of happened just in one final to round everything off um about my soiree foiree whatever word you want to choose to use uh my my whole journey into the world of health wellness and 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 exploring more and why I do kind of what I do now and um, because my food issues did not completely disappear in rehab they were just if you like abated for a while and um, and I'll share more with you on the next one but thank you for listening for those of you who have been listening to all parts I hope you are getting something from it and if you've got any comments or questions or you you want to have a conversation with me about anything that I've shared particularly today because I know I've touched on some stuff that may may trigger some of you um please do and on that note have a great day I intend to bye